Shalom to all. Today's office is called Chafalf. We are starting Chafalf base three lines up from the bottom at the two dots. And the Mishnah had said, Kain Gadol Shemes. Now the Mishnah had brought the Machlechus between Rabbi Yehuda and Rabbi Shimon regarding when the Kain Gadol dies, who pays for his Mincha, known as the Mincha's Chavitin. Rabbi Yehuda said that it comes from his own estate, the Yarshim have to pay for it. Whereas Rabbi Shimon said that it comes from the Tzibor. Now Rabbi Shimon had said that this is a Tanai Bezdin. The Bezdin stipulated that it should come from the Tzibor. This implies that really Midai Raisa, the Mincha should come from the Yarshim. And the Gemara says, He asked the following question. It seems like Rabbi Shimon's has been switched around. Now the following is from Maseches Menachas. Taman Amar, over there it says, referring to our Mishnah in Shkalim, Mishal Yarshim. The Rebbe Shimon says it comes from the Yarshim, Vahacha Amar, whereas over here in Menachas it says Mishal Tzibor. And Amar of Chir Barba, Chafal of Amar on the top, Vlayas Humakshe, isn't he asking a good question? The question is that that Brai said Darshan the Pasuk of Chak Oilam, an eternal decree, to say the Midai Raisa, the Mincha, comes from the Tzibor. So according to Rebbe Shimon, why is the Mincha of his deceased Kayan Gadol coming from community funds? Because of a Tanai Bezdin or because of a Pasuk? So also Rebbe Yaakov Acha, he tells us in the name of Rebbe Avo, Bishim Rebbe should come from communal funds. But I would think to say that a special collection should be made for this unique scenario where the Kayan Gadol died and we have to bring his Mincha. This is before a new Kayan Gadol was appointed in his stead. So then, they just made a Takana. It comes from the Trum Salishka. So there was a point in time that we thought that it wouldn't come from Trum Salishka. It would come from a different source of communal funds. And then we just said it comes from the Trum Salishka. Now we had said in the mission that when the Kayan Gadol dies and a new one hasn't been appointed, we still bring his Mincha. However, it's not split into two. Half brought in the morning, half brought in the evening. It's brought shlema. It's brought whole. And the Gemara asks, Rabbi Yisa and Rabbi Yechon Mahu. What does that mean? It's brought shalim. Shlem v'shachros or shlem ben arbaim. Do we bring the whole mincha in the morning and the whole mincha in the afternoon? Or shlem v'shachros. Do we bring the whole mincha in the morning or betela ben arbaim and then we just don't bring anything in the afternoon? So the Gemara suggests, Katei pshitole. If this is going to be answered, because it says in the pasuk, minchas tamid, it should be a continual mincha, meaning it always has to be brought every single day, which means that it also has to be brought in the morning and the afternoon. So we're going to bring a whole mincha. In the morning, a whole mincha afternoon. So shleshes lugin mahin. What about the three lugin of oil that the kain gadol used to bring with his mincha? Shleshes lugin shachos or shleshes lugin bein arbaim. Do we bring three lugin of oil in the morning, three lugin in the afternoon? I like a machzor shachos, I like a machzor bein arbaim. Do we bring one and a half in the morning and one and a half in the afternoon? And Amar of Chizkiyah he says of hadatz Even the following needs to be answered. Shnei kumatzim mahin. What about the two kumatzim of levaina? The kain gadol's mincha had to be brought half in the morning, half in the afternoon, and each one had a kaimus of levaina. So what do we do with that? Shnei kumatzim shachos, shnei kumatzim bein arbaim. Do we bring two kumatzim in the morning and two do we bring one kaimitz in the morning and one kaimitz in the afternoon? So Amr Abiyasi gives an answer to the question that we just asked. Don't we learn this kaimitz of Levina from Minchas Chaita, from the sinner's mincha? Just like over there, you would have to bring two kumatzen, so too over here, you would have to bring two kumatzen. Just like in the case of a regular sinner's mincha, a minchas chaita, every sarana flower needs another kaimitz of Levina. So if there's double flower, we would need to bring double Levina, so too here. This minchas chavitin is doubled, and there Therefore, the Levina is also doubled. And Amr Chizkiah, he gives an answer to another question. Don't we learn the Shleshes Lugan, the three Lugan of oil that the Kayan Gadol brought with his Mincha from the Mincha of the Tamash Shalbein Arbaim? Malalan Shleshes Lugan, just like over there, it's three Lugan. Afkan Shleshes Lugan, so to here is three Lugan. But now the Gemara responds and says that's not actually a good question because just like over there, we have a question, so to here, we also have a question, meaning this answer is not so clear. We actually have a question over there. If the Mincha of the Tamash Shachar was delayed and it was being brought in the afternoon, with the mincha, the Talmud Shalbein Arbaim, do we say that we only need three lugan of oil or do we need six? So just like we don't know over there, so too we don't know over here in regards to the minchas chavitin of the Kayan Gadol. Now we had mentioned another Tanai Bezin in the Mishnah and this was that the Kayan dealing with the ashes of the Paraduma is not going to be Ivor Me'ila. The Gemara says, Really, he should be Ivor Me'ila if he misappropriates the ashes of the Paraduma. However, they made a that he's not going to be Ivor Me'ila. 
The Gemara asks a question, Vatani, we have a Brisa, and the Brisa quotes a Pasach Chatos. This is referring to the Paraduma. This teaches us that a person is going to be Ivor Me'ila with the Paraduma itself. A person can be Ivor Me'ila with the Paraduma, but he's not going to be Ivor Me'ila with the ashes of the Paraduma. So we see very clearly that there never was a Havamina. The person is going to be Ivor Me'ila with the ashes of the Paraduma. The Chazal has to be attacking that he's not going to be Ivor Me'ila. So it seems to be not like our Mishnah. So Amrab Avoi answers, saying, Originally, they were mistreating the ashes of the Paraduma, and they would just put it on their wounds. The Gazer Shimalubas, so therefore, the Chachamim were Gazer that they're going to be Ivor Me'ila if they use the ashes of the Paraduma. Kimish and once they had held themselves back, they made a gather and they stopped using it inappropriately. Gazer Shalayim so then they made a Gzera that they're not going to be Ivor Me'ila using it. The Mishnah said, Kinin, we had a Machlekis in the Mishnah regarding Kinin that became disqualified. Do they get replaced from communal funds, or does the Beis Hamikdash bird supplier replace these birds? The Gemara now uses this part of the Mishnah to explain a Gemara we had prior regarding money found in between the Kinin box and Gazer Ayla box. If it was equidistant, then it goes into the Geisler Eila box. And the Gemara asks, This woman that put the money into the Kenan box, let's say that's where this money came from, how does she receive her atonement? Even though this money is allowed to be used as an Eila, if she needed a Chatas brought, so she's not going to receive her Kapara. The Gemara answers, It's a Tanai Bezin, The one that supplies the birds to the base of Mektosh, he also has to supply the replacements for something that was disqualified or lost, and therefore she is going to receive her Kapara. For finishing the seventh pack of we should be zechered to finish all of Shkalim together, which will be tomorrow, and of course, all of Shas together. Now we know that Reich, saliva from a Zav, Zava, or Nida, is metami people or utensils that touch it. The Chamim or Geyser that any Reich found lying around is presumed to be from one of these people and is therefore Tame. And the Mishnah says, Call a Reich and Emsayim Yerushalayim, any Reich that's found in Yerushalayim, Tahir and it's Tar. We can assume that it came from someone that was Tar, Chotz Mishal Shukha Elyon, except for Reich that was found in the upper marketplace of Yerushalayim. David Abmer, that's Rameer's opinion. Rabbi Yisrael, he says, Bishakhalim Hashanah throughout the rest of the year, Sheba Emsa, if it's found in the middle of the street, Tameim, so then we can assume that it's Tame. If it's found on the side of the street to hiron, then we can assume it's tahar. However, at the time of Yant, if it's the opposite, if it's found in the middle of the street, then we can assume it's tahar. But if it's found on the side of the street, then it's tahar. Because the minority moves to the side. Any keli that's found in Yerushalayim, and we don't know what its status is, is it tahar or tahar? If it's found on the way down to the mikvah, so then it's going to be tahar. But if it's found on the way up from the mikvah, then it's tahar. Because the way down to the mikvah is different than the way up from the mikvah. There's two different pathways leading to the mikvah. One of them led to the mikvah. That was one that the Tameim went on. And there was a pathway leading away. That was the one that Tahirim took. So, therefore, if you found it on the pathway leading to the mikvah, then you could assume that it's Tame. That's Rameer's opinion. Rabbi Yisrael, he says, Any clay that's found in Yushalayim could be assumed to be Tahar. Except for a basket, shovel, and hammer. That was meant for grave diggers. It was used in the process of Kavura. So, therefore, we could assume that that is Tame, but nothing else is going to be Tame. What about a shechita knife that's found on the 14th? It's found Erev Pesach. Sheikh Bamiyad, a person could use it to shecht right away. That's because it's assumed that it was already immersed in the mikvah in preparation for shechting the Karim Pesach on that day. However, Bishlesh HaSarv, it was found on the 13th, Shainu Matbel, then he has to put it in the mikvah again. He can't assume that it was immersed in the mikvah and that it's tar because today is not time for shechting the Karim Pesach yet. Only tomorrow is. Kaifetz. What about if you found the Kaifetz, which is a meat cleaver? Now, a meat cleaver is usually used for breaking bones. Bazel, Bazel, if you found it on the 13th or even the 14th, 
Yaniv, Shainu Matbo, he has to dunk it again in the mikvah. Now, why is that? Because since a kaivis is used mainly to chop bones, which is usher to do on the carbon Pesach, therefore its only use is for the carbonus brought on the 15th of Nisan. Hence, we can't assume that it was immersed in a mikvah yet. However, Chalar Basalias B'Shabbos, if the 14th fell on Shabbos, Sheikh Abamiyad, he's allowed to use it right away. That's because he's not allowed to dunk it in the mikvah on Shabbos. You're not allowed to put a keli into the mikvah on Shabbos, and he's going to want to have it ready for the 15th right away. So, therefore, he's going to put it in the mikvah on the 13th, and that's where when you find it on the 13th, you are allowed to use this kaifetz right away. Chaf Alpha on base on the top, but Tazvav, let's say you found this kaifetz on the 15th, Sheikh Abamiyad, also you could use it right away because we could assume that it was put in the mikvah because he wants to use it today for the carbonus that are being brought on the 15th. Nimtuk Shur Lasakim, let's say you found the kaifetz tied to the knife, meaning it was tied to the Shechita knife. Harei Kasakim is just like the Shechita knife, and the same with the Shechita knife can be assumed on the 14th to already have been put in the mikvah, so to this kaifetz, you could assume that it was put in the mikvah. Now, Rav Meir and Rav Mishnah had said that Reich found in the upper shuk of Yerushalayim is going to be Tamei. Now, Rav Oven B'Shem Rishu Levi, he explains, Katsun Shal Nachram Hayasham. There was a Gentile laundromat over there, and since there was a lot of Gentiles hanging around over there, we know that a Gentile has the status of a Zav, and therefore any Reich found there could be assumed to be a Gentile's. And Rav Chanina, he says, They actually used to spear wild donkeys over there. They would butcher wild donkeys there, and there was a lot of game over there, and that's why any Reich found there could be presumed to be Tamei. Now, the Yersais add in a line before we continue, Amr B'Shu Levi, he says, There was a story where they were spearing a lot of these wild donkeys for the lions and the king's army. Now jump back into the Gemara. And the Eiler Gullim, all the people that were there for Yontif, they were up until their ankles in blood. They came in front of the Chamim to see whether or not they had to go to the Mikvah before they went into the base of Mikdash. And the Chamim didn't tell them anything. And now let's go back to the story that we had in the third parak, whether or not the blood of an Avela is going to be in Tameh. He says, Shemesa, there's a story of a mule in the house of Rebbe that died. With heroes to Mamisham Nevela, and they were Matarid's blood because of Nevela. They said it's not Metame. Rebbe Lazar Shal, Rebbe Simon, he asked Rebbe Simon, Ad Kama, until how much blood? Does that mean that this blood is not going to be Metame at all, no matter how much you have? Or is there going to be a cap at a Revias? But once you have a Revias of blood, then it will be Metame. Vlei Give, he didn't respond. Shal, Rebbe Shuban Levi, so Rebbe Simon asked Rebbe Shuban Levi, and Amr Lehi answered him, Ad Revias Tar, Yasimikan Tame. Up until Revias of Dam is Tar. However, more than that is going to be Metame. Ubash Lerbe Lazar, Rebbe Lazar was upset. Deloy Chazle Rebbe Simon, Rebbe didn't respond with this answer. Now, Rebbe was saying over this story, Rebbe Yitzchak asked him, Ad Kama, until how much blood? Does that mean that up until Rebbe is tar, but more than that is Tame? However, Rebbe, he pushed him off, he didn't answer him. Rebbe Yitzchak asked him, because he asked you this question, you just pushed him away, you didn't answer him. He responded, it's just because I was preoccupied, I was absent-minded, that's why I didn't respond. Why so? Rebbe Chanan says, it says in the and your life is going to hang in balance. This is a person, he doesn't have a field, so he can't grow his own food. He has to buy food for the entire year, so his life is in balance. He's really unsure of what's going to be. The Tachacha continues, you're going to be frightful night and day. This is a person, he has to buy from a merchant. He doesn't have enough funds to purchase for the entire year. Therefore, he has to purchase from time to time from the merchant, and he's not really sure about what's going to be afterwards. The Tachacha continues, you're going to be unsure of your life. This is a person who buys from the baker. He has so little money, he has to buy bread from the baker every single day, so this is definitely a source of anxiety and concern. And I have to rely on the baker, therefore, I just wasn't paying attention. I wasn't intending to push him away. The Gemara 
ask my Kedayin, what is the halacha in this case in regards of the blood of an Avela? Hey, Rabbi Shuvah ben Pesayra al-Dam Shutar, he gave Edo's testimony about the blood of an Avela that it's tahar. The Gemara says, not a raya, my tahar. What does that mean, it's tahar? Tahar melahachshir, it can mean that it's tahar, that it doesn't have the ability to make something susceptible to mikabal tama, halatamas metame. However, it could be that the blood of an Avela could be metame something. However, the Gemara asks on this explanation, Tamantanin, we learned over there in a Mishnah, Dama Sharetz metame kibasari, that the blood of a Sharetz is metame just like its flesh, metame vene machshir, it's metame something, but it cannot be machshir lekabal tama, and we have nothing like it, meaning there's nothing like the blood of a Sharetz which is able to be metame and not machshir. So it can't be that the blood of an Avela is able to be metame and not machshir, because only the blood of a Sharetz is able to do that. The Gemara answers, no, that's not a right, because what does that mean? We don't have anything like it, like the blood of a Sharetz. That's the shear of its Toma. Its blood is metame just like its basar. When the Mishnah said there's nothing like the blood of a Sharetz, it means that the blood is metame with the same shear, the flesh is. A Sharetz is metame kadash, the size of a lentil, as is its blood, as opposed to nevela, which is metame with a gazayas, or is its blood is metame with a revias. But the blood of a nevela still is metame. We still don't have a clear halacha about this yet. In Amr Abiyasi, he says, Pligibot Shin Amurain. There's a machlex of two Amurain about this. Chad Amur, one of them says, Tame vechad Amur Tar. One says, Tame, one says, Tar. Manda Amur Tame, the one says, Tame, Kreb Yehuda. Hills like Kreb Yehuda, Manda Amur Tar. The one says, Tar, Kreb Yeshua, Ben Pseira. Hills like Kreb Yeshua, Ben Pseira. And Amr Leir of Duma, the Menachusa, he said, Viyaos, it's correct. The Rabbi Yehuda, Mariyana, the Bain, and Siyahava. Rabbi Yehuda, he was the Pisic of Rabbi Yehuda Nasi's house. And what started this whole discussion was the story that a mule in Rabbi's house died. It was Paskin that the blood is tar. It must be that Rabbi Yehuda Paskin this, and Rabbi Shuba Levi had explained that this was referring to lesson Revius of Dam. Now the Gemara addresses the first part of the Mishnah, Kalarikin. We had said that all saliva that's found throughout Yerushalayim is tar, except for that which is found in the upper shuk of Yerushalayim. The Gemara asked the question, Loikin Amr Rabbi Vo, B'Shem Didn't Rabbi Vo say in the name of Revius Rechanina that Loikaz while Rechanship Yerushalayim, that they did not make exera on saliva that's found in Yerushalayim, that it's not Tameh? So how could we say that that which is found in the upper marketplace is going to be Tameh? So Itmar Le Rabbi Oven, B'Shem Rishuv Levi, Kasim Shalnachem Hayasham. There was a Gentile laundromat over there, and that's why there was a lot of Gentiles hanging around there, and so therefore, any slav that's found in the upper marketplace in Yerushalayim could be assumed to be Tameh. Now, Rabbi Yassin and Mishnah differentiated between the rest of the year and when people were oily regal, and here we have an explanation of that. Bajari Maishashan and the rest of the year, Hatmeim Hachim Shibailas, the Tameim, they walk in the middle of the road, Vatahim Hachim that side, and the Tahirim, they walk on the side of the road, Vatmeim Hachim Stam. When the Tameim walk, they just walk Stam, and they don't tell people that they're Tameh, Vatahim Aymer Lahen, and the Tahirim that are on the side of the road, they tell them, Paraishu, stay far away. Don't be metameos. Therefore, anything that's found in the middle of the road can be assumed to be tame. Whereas Bishasa Regal, at the time of Yantif, Hatayim, Halchin, Shibailas, the Tahirim, they walk in the middle of the road. That's because the vast majority of people in Yushalayim are going to be tar in preparation for going to the base of Mikdash and bringing their karbanas. Vatameim, Halchim, Natsad, and the Tameim, they walk on the side of the road. Hatayim, Halchim, Stam, the Tahirim, they walk around Stam. They don't say that they're tar. Vatameim, Aymer, Lahem, Pereshu, and the Tameim tell the Tahirim to stay far away so they don't become tame. And that's why, during the times of the Regal, any slave that's found on the side of the street is going to be tame and not in the Middle of the street. The Mishnah said, Any Kelly found in Yerushalayim is going to be tar, except for if it's on the way down to the mikvah. Ask the Gemara, Loikin Amar Avo, B'Shem Rabbiachan. Rabbavo said different in the name of Rabbiachan that Loikaz Ralakim Shev Yerushalayim. They didn't make Xeron on any Kelly in Yerushalayim, meaning any Stam Kelly that's found in Yerushalayim could be assumed to be tar. So why are you saying that these are Tame? The Gemara answers, Since it was found on the way down to the mikvah, so there's a Chach over here, a proof or a demonstration that it must be that these Kelim are Tame, but all other Kelim that are found throughout Yerushalayim. Could be assumed to be Tahar. And now we have a memory about that. Abba 
Abishal would call this hammer not a maritza, but it's a pyron. Now, Tiklan Chaditin tells us that Abishal actually used to be a grave digger. He was involved in burying people, so he knew what this tool was, and he called it a tzipyron. Mandamar tzipyron, the one that called it a tzipyron and not a maritza, Shayadamar tzipyron, actually looked like a fingernail. It was sharp and curved. Mandamar maritza, the one that called it a maritza, Shemaritza, so Evan Lebesakvaris, it smashes the stones in the Besakvaris in order to dig graves and help make space to bury the people. We had said at the end of the Mishnah Kaifetz that if we found this Kaifetz tied to the Shechita knife and it was found on the 14th, then just like the Shechita knife could be presumed to be already immersed in tar, so too this Kaifetz also could be assumed to be tar. However, now we have a Brysa not like that. Tani, the Brysa tells us, Hasakin Kshurullah this knife that's tied to the Kaifetz is just like the Kaifetz in the same way that when you find the Kaifetz on the 14th, you cannot assume that it was already dunked in the Mikvah, so too you can't assume the Shechita knife was dunked in the Mikvah either. And now we're going to be talking about Toma in this next Mishnah. The totem pole of Toma starts with Ava Toma on top. All subsequent Tomas are called Vlad HaToma, literally the offspring of Toma. When something touches an Ava Toma, it becomes Tame with Vlad HaToma. Now Vlad HaToma only has the ability to be Tame food and liquid, and not people or Kalim. An exception to this rule is liquid, which is a Vlad HaToma is able to be Tame Kli. And the Mishnah says, Parechas Shinit was Vlad HaToma. We have the Parechas in the base of Mikdash, and it became Tame with Vlad HaToma. It was touched by some sort of liquid, and the Parechas is considered a Kli. Matbilin Isa Bifnim, it gets dunked in the Mikvah inside. There was a Mikvah in the Azar, so it gets put in that Mikvah. Machnison Isam Yad, it's allowed to be brought into the base of Mikdash right away. Now, usually something or someone, Tame, may not enter the base of Mikdash until Harav Shemesh, the setting of the sun after going to the Mikvah. However, this Parechas is only Tame with Tomadur Abanan, so the Parechas is allowed to be brought in right away without waiting for Harav Shemesh. However, the Mishnah tells us, it became Tame with Avatoma, it was touched by Sheretz or Nevela, it has to be brought outside the base of Mikdash and put in the Mikvah, and it's spread out in the Chel, because it needs Harav Shemesh. We've already said that the Chel is the area outside the walls of the base of Mikdash. If it was a new Parechas, a new Parechas was made every single year, and it had to be put in the Mikvah, because any new Keli that was going to be used in the base of Mikdash had to be put in the Mikvah, even if it wasn't Tameh. So there's new Parechas, what do we do with it? It's spread out on the roof of the itzbah, there were benches on Harabayas, and they had this little roof, this overhang on top of them called the itzbah. So this parechas was spread out on the itzbah, so that everyone could see how beautiful this parechas was. And now, once we're talking about the parechas, we continue. He says, It was woven in 72 layers. Each and every thread had 24 strands in it. It was 40 amas long and 20 wide. It was made out of 120,000 gold dinarim, meaning it cost 120,000 gold dinarim to make. And two new parechas were made every single year. And it took 300 kahanim to put it in the mikvah. Now the Gemara describes how the Mishnah got to the number 24, that each thread actually was made up of 24 individual strands. If the Torah, in describing the parechas, would have said it has to be made out of a chot, then I would think that it's made out of one thread. Kafal, if it would have said kafal, l'shnaim, I would think it's made out of two. Shazur, if it would have said twisted, l'shlash, I would say it's made out of three. But since it says the word mashzar, that means l'shisha, it's made out of six, because mashzar is double shazur. And not only was it made out of six strands, each strand was arba. Each strand actually had four individual types of thread inside of it, which was blue wool, purple wool, red wool, and linen. So that's a total of 24. Mikan, ha here we have 24 total strands making up one thread. Whereas we have a different price, so Tani, it was actually 32 strands. Either Amr Chot, if Chot, that means one. Kafel means Shnaim. Shazur means Arba, because Shazur is double of Kafel, which is four. But since it says the word Mashzar in the Torah, Lashmaina, that means it's actually made of eight individual threads. Mikan, Here we have 32. And we have 
give another rise. Satana, Arbaimu Shmaina, it was actually 48 separate strands. Ilu Amarchat, if we were to say Chat Echa, that's one. Kafol, that's Lashnaim. Kliya, that's Lashlaisha. Kliya would mean three. Shazar Lashisha, Shazar twisted, is six, because that's double Kliya. But since it says the word Mashzar in the Pasik, Lashnaim Masar, that means it was made out of 12 threads. And Arba, each thread had four separate strands in it. Mikan Ha, Arbaimu Tmanya. Here we have 48 separate strands in each thread. And once we start talking about the work of the Mishkan, we have another discussion. One Pasuk says that it has to be the work of an embroiderer. Another Pasuk says it's the work of a craftsman or an artist. What's the difference between the two? means it has one part of it. means it has two parts of it. Now what's one part of and two parts of Rabbi Yehuda, Rabbi Nechemia, they argue. Chadam or one of them says what does that mean it has one part of it? It has the face of a lion. It doesn't have to be a lion. It just means it has a design on one side and the other side is smooth. It's chalak. It doesn't have any design. That's a rimikan. By rimikan, it has a design on both sides. That means shnei partzuf, and it has a design on both sides. However, the other one says it has a line on both sides, meaning it has the same design on both sides. That's what it means. Parts of echad. Whereas that means it has a design on one side and a different design on the other side. That's what shnei partzufin means. Now the Mishnah said and the Mishnah concluded with saying that it took three hundred kaihanim to dunk it in the mikvah. He says, Guzma, that's an exaggeration. It didn't take 300 kayanim to be tifle it. It was so large, it took a lot of kayanim, but not 300 kayanim. Taman Taninon, we have a mission over there, something very similar. And this mission is talking about one of the first things done every day in the Beis HaMikdash was the Trumas Hadashen. A shovel full of ashes was removed from the fire in the Zbech and placed on the side. When the pile grew too large from the Zbech, it was brought to a designated spot outside the Beis HaMikdash. So this Mishnah says, Sometimes this pile of ashes was so large, it grew to the size of 300 kur, which is an enormous amount. Rabbi Yossi Be'er Bun B'Shem Shmuel, he says, Guzma, that's an exaggeration. It never got to 300 kur. However, sometimes it would get very large. We're going to stop here for the day, pick up tomorrow with a fresh Mishnah. For now, everyone should have a wonderful day.